0: Block Talk Radio Play The yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building yeah.
1: up, everyone? Uh, Match-up zone here on Block Talk Radio. Hope you guys are quarantining safely and well here on this lovely Wednesday evening. Uh, tonight, we have a uh, very special guest, um, a great basketball player, uh, Sharnay Zal-Norman, who has played 11 years professionally. Uh, that includes the WNBA. That includes overseas. Uh, also University of Virginia, where she broke the assist record set by Dawn Staley. So we have a very, uh, great guest tonight with Charnay. Charnay, how are you quarantining over the, you're in, you're still in Rhode Island, right?
2: Yeah, I'm here in Rhode. Um, I have been quarantining <laughs> with a lot of Zoom calls with, you know, re- recruits and, uh, coaches and our, our student athletes, making sure that they're okay and, um, you know, plenty of books and at-home workouts. <laughs> that's, Probably like everybody that's, else,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because I, I, I've i seen stuff like online uh, from like recruits and kids that, you know, in the high school level who are like, oh, hey, I'm getting recruited uh, by this, you know, this place. And they're like, had a Zoom call with, you know, the other day. And I'm like, that's like crazy because, you know, gro- going back to when we were recruited, It's like so weird to be like, oh, well, we might have like an official visit where we're sitting in front of a Zoom call. And, you know, it's like, are you putting together presentations and stuff to to present there because they can't actually see it themselves?
2: No, not really. So, you know, it's more so just kind of getting able to still build that relationship with the kids and family. And since everybody's home, it's kind of a good way to be a little bit face to face, being that we're missing the time that. Maybe, you know, families could have come up on our officials and gotten to see us and talk to us so we're able to, you know, kind of get that time back a little bit, you know, basically FaceTiming, but also to, to really talk to coaches and be able to see them as well. You know, we're getting an influx of just emails and videos and highlight videos of kids for these AU coaches and high school coaches that are just trying to get their kid's name out there that now, you know, with this recruiting period being shut down, they're missing. So it's been a lot of that.
1: That's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's just such a different world that we're living in. And, you know, I guess you're just kind of improvising. Like kind of going going back to you, uh, you know, I always, when I bring it up, you know, Charn- we used to work out together and stuff. And when I always bring it up, you had, I just remember watching you do dribbling drills and just that your hands were just so quick. You're just such a good solid dribbler you kept everything within yourself has that ever like become like an advantage because you know this world that we live in some people would be like oh i you know i'm gonna go and like you know they they almost underestimate you have you ever been underestimated to the point where you're just like you know what i'm just gonna go out and show this fool like a little something and just completely embarrassed and i know because we used to just like there was just kids cocky boys who would come in and be like oh And then you would just rock them. And it was one of my favorite things to watch. Do you love like (laughs) that underestimating people?
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like I get it a lot. Like I'm this five, seven, not athletic girl, right? Like I'm, I'm really not athletic at all, but the things that I do well, I do well. And I stick to my role in that aspect. So I think one of my favorite, my favorite memories of somebody underestimating me was we, we played um, Woodrow Wilson. I went to Highland regional for my last year. We were playing Woodrow Wilson in um, one of the state games, right? And they came to our game before, and they came and were looking, and they were just like, oh, yeah, this kid's not, you know, she's not really that good. Like, you know, the overrated chance and all that crap, right? So (laughs) the kids are, like, trying to push up on me, like, bully me all first half. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like, we're kind of winning. It's back and forth. It's a really good game. Then I just got fed up at one point, and I was like, you know what, forget it. Like, we're running one-four flat, and I was just, like, playing with the girl. Like, you know, I would go past her, then back up, back to half court, like, just playing. And all of, like, all of the fans were going crazy. All the kids, we had, like, a great group of kids coming from Highland. They were going nuts, and I was just, like, I would get into the lane, dish, and then run back. Like, I wouldn't even score. I wasn't even trying to score. I would just get past kids and then, you know – you know me; I love to pass the ball, so I would drop a dime uh-huh. and just run back, real, real chill, no trash talking. But it was just like you know, you know how you show and prove, and you don't have to talk. That's exactly what it was. Uh-huh. So those are that was one of my favorite memories of high school for sure.
1: <laughs> well, it's so crazy because I, like you know, I'm coaching at Camden Catholic now, and we, like we went and played a double header double header this year versus Woodrow Wilson, and they were playing Cherry Hill West, who's not a really strong team. And granted, we were yeah. playing Camden right after. So it was already really crowded for our game, but that game was really crowded. Like it was a pretty intense game and Woodrow Wilson and Terry Hill West girls weren't, weren't even that strong this year. And it was that, just that, I feel like Woodrow Wilson always has a good draw. Like they just, they, it's like a, a yeah. good basketball community. It's fun to play there.
2: Absolutely. And it's like, you know, they support basketball, women's or men's, right? Like they, they're just coming out to see a great game and people mm-hmm. play well. So, you know, playing in, in front of those type of crowds, is amazing. That just for me, at least, like I, it really gets my juices flowing because I, I can now, you know, like not show off, but you can play to your ability and you have people to entertain. You know, that's what we want to do anyway: is entertain. So uh-huh. I love those
0: kind of crowds.
1: <laughs> and kind of, you know, play. You played uh, three different teams in the uh, WNBA. <clears throat> I'm sure you probably talked to a few teammates. Because that's the big thing now is the WNBA season is in limbo because if they cancel sports and they cancel, you know, even like the baseball season, they're talking about canceling next year's football season. So if the WNBA season's in limbo, have you talked to anyone who's kind of like, you know, training, you know, or am I going hard? Am I not going hard? Like, when are we starting? Have you talked to any of your former teammates or anyone who's, who's currently preparing for the season?
2: Yeah, so everybody's really trying to prepare as if there will be a season, right? I mean, we're, we're all kind of in this together in the sense that nobody knows when this will change, um, what's mm-hmm. going to happen. But especially with the WNBA, because the season is so short anyway, it's very, very concise. So you usually play two, three games a week. If they get, like, if the season does start, it's going to start and kick right into gear. So nobody really wants to, you know, miss out or or have that time where they have to get back now. The problem though is that everybody's in different states, some states have different rules, and also some people can 't get into gyms they don't have access time to like now everybody's trying to pull strings to get into a gym or find a hoop that they can play on, but everybody's staying in shape in many different ways. a lot of my you know my friends are buying bikes and they're like biking ten <laughs> ten to fifteen miles a day to try and not put too much pressure on their bodies, but also to still stay conditioned
1: it 's crazy because I always think about when when the season started, that's when, you know, you knew you almost set that time on your head. I have a month to go the season, I need to do this, this, this this end of the month. You're pushing your body really hard because you know, training camp you know you want to be able to coast through it, especially if you're like fighting for a job. And it's crazy yeah. to think that you're pushing. You're, that's like the thing that scares me is like you're pushing your body and you don't know if it's going to be the time when like, oh, suddenly the coach is going to be like, okay, or they're going to be like, okay, we're playing. Or if you're just yeah. doing this over and over again, it's crazy. It's just not, it's, it's tough on your body.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really insane. But the the crazy part is that a lot of these girls are actually getting much needed rest, right? Like, so, you know, a lot of them are coming from overseas seasons that were cut short. So they're in game shape right now. Really what they're, they're continuing to do is just maintain that. So they're allowing their bodies to rest. Like, as you know, playing WNBA and overseas, they get, like, maybe a half a month all year long as rest, right? And, and that's, that's being extremely generous. So they're playing 11 and a half months out of the year. They're playing competitive, hard-nosed basketball, right? That's insane to think about, you know, what, what they're putting their body through and um, the lack of recovery time. So this time is actually probably – you know, a, a blessing in disguise for them and their bodies and the longevity of their careers.
1: Well, it's crazy. Cause I mean, we, <clears throat> I know Brandon Stewart, uh, one of the, you know, faces of the WNBA hurt herself last year playing in Russia, you know, missed the, the season for the Seattle storm tore her Achilles. How difficult is, you know, because you played in the WNBA and then had to go to Poland to play, you know, or, or overseas. So how difficult is that because, you know, you have this, like, really no time jump between season to season and no, like, no time to refine your game, no time to, like, you know, like, rest at all. How does your body handle, like, that nonstop grind?
2: You know, it's really important for you to invest in in your body to take care of it. And that's even more as a professional athlete period, but even more integral for women's basketball players that play year round mm-hmm. because you don't have that time, right? You don't just have a month to let your body rest. So every second that you do have off, you need to be doing something to help your body recover. And so whether that's, you know, eating the right way or investing in um, tools that can help you recover the Normatec, the Hyperbol, like I literally have a whole training room basically, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in my house, because I didn't, you know, if, if you have, a, you know, one day off, you're, if you're playing in league and you're playing in your, in Polish League, for instance, for me, I didn't. I had one day off. That recovery mm-hmm. day, I still wanted to go get shots up and, you know, and maintain form or work on certain things. So I had to recover at home. On long bus rides, when you're on a bus for 12 hours, I would pull out my Norma Tech and be able to do recovery while I was still traveling. And so you just have to make the best use of your time and also invest in yourself, you know, and, and instead of buying something else, I was able to get that and said, this is the most important thing. I have to take advantage of every second that I have and make sure that it works for me.
1: It's crazy. Like even watching the George document, have you, have you been watching uh, the last
2: Absolutely. You know I have. It's so
1: good. So good. like love- You just look like this <laughs> went for two days or like two and a half days and just went to Vegas. Like they they just did things so differently back then. And just like, you know, partying and stuff. And like, it's even like when, you know, early in my career, like when I was playing the D league, like we just, you know, sometimes you just go party and stuff. Like you weren't maintaining your body. Like, you know, like athletes are these days. And it's, it's crazy. Like what a difference it would have made if you, if, and not, not that I didn't know, anything like I definitely knew I should probably take care of my body, but I just didn't know yeah. to what extent like these things were. Well,
2: you know, I, I think that it's funny to see, because we always talk about how the game has evolved, right? We're like, Oh, these, you know, these guys right now are they're just so much more athletic and maybe, <laughs> I mean, they are more athletic, right. But maybe they are also because they're not, you know, doing what Jordan was talking about out every night, Rodman going to <laughs> Vegas in the middle of the season. Like maybe that also helps. But, you know, social media has helped us in in such tremendous ways to really have that information accessible to everyone. You know, unless Mm -hmm. you had enough money to have your own personal trainer, your own nutritionist, or you had family members who were very aware of what you put into your body and how to help take care of it, you didn't realize those things. You didn't have that. Even in Mm -hmm. college, they didn't teach us necessarily the, the, the great way to eat. You know, we didn't have nutritionists. We ate what we had at the calf, or we went to go Uh buy buy McDonald's. Like we were college kids. That's what you eat. Um, But now these kids are able to understand. They're able to see what LeBron does. They're able to see what Brianna Stewart does, Elena Deladon does, you know, Candace Parker, what they do on their off time, the things that they have, what they eat, and we're able to see that and learn from it. So the younger generation is able to say, hey, these are the habits uh, that – my role model is, is holding up to and living up to, that's what I want to do as well. So we're able to share that information rather than just it having to be accessible, right. You know, to someone that you could touch.
1: I totally, it's like, it is, I, I definitely think, you know, the information that's provided. media, you mentioned was such a great thing because it's like, I feel like I take much better care of my body now than I did back then when I was playing and not doing anything. And it's like, just because I see all these things, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. You know, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try this diet and I'm going to, you know, intermittent fast. And I'm like, God damn it. Like if I knew all these things back then, I would have been like, uh." but whatever. Literally, like
2: I I watch our kids, like I changed how I worked out after my ACL injury. Right. Uh, My wife, Sarita, Hmm. she literally changed my whole program. I mean, the way that I ate, the way that we trained, we made our own six-week mm-hmm. program of how that I trained before I went overseas and, the, you know, my workout routine. And that was all a lot of information that we were able to gain from online research, you know? So it's like these kids have the world accessible to them, like literally at their fingertips.
0: Mm-hmm. And we
2: didn't have that. We were just, we were, you know, we were winging it. <laughs> we were winging it to life. <laughs> And it's crazy to think of, like, what could have been. If, if I had these things or this knowledge, you know, when I was in high school or when I was in college, how could I have been? And so I think uh-huh. it's, it, it's a great thing when we're able to express that and say, listen, don't take advantage of it because you're going to look back one day and say, oh, I wish I would have done this.
0: <laughs> I wish I would have <laughs>
2: actually listened to other people.
1: It's crazy. So kind of like going into, you know, the transitions, because, you know, taking care of your body, then just eat still just the basketball and the culture when you're playing in the, in the WNBA it's like okay season's over now here we go to and you know I'm heading over to Poland or I'm heading overseas how does that transition from the one league to the other
2: well there are, um, there, there are two different styles of play for sure um, the European leagues are way more physical and when I mean physical, I mean like almost like Detroit Pistons bad boy, like not punch you in the face, but everything, but punch you in the face. I mean, you know how it is. Like there's nothing that's a foul <laughs> overseas for an American. You're it's getting easy. scratched. Like you can, literally like you're getting scratched. You're getting pulled. You're getting pushed. And it's like, okay, play for the contact. And so you learn how to play that way. You know, you well, or you either learn or you go home. I mean, it's one uh-huh. or the other. And so it you have to kind of wrap your mind around that and, and tailor your game to that. And then when you come back home, like in the WNBA, it's 144 of the best players in the world. And yeah. so that exclusivity is just, in itself, imagine, you know, how you have to play. You've got to be yeah. your best every single day. Night in, night out. I mean, you just don't have many chances, you know? And so it's like, listen, you know, you're playing against the best you can get cut at any minute, so you need to bring your best every single day or, and bring what you bring. So I think that the WNBA is, is in itself the best league in the world, right, mm-hmm. because, you know, 144 of the best players in the world, that's, that's tough to say. That's, you know, that's amazing. But it's also faster. We love to play fast. It's more entertaining, you know, in most leagues. The European yeah. leagues are a little bit more, bruise you up. Um, they're going to be running some sets. It's not as individual.
1: That's it, it is crazy. You know, when you when you say that, like how many people, you know, and you, you talk about the Olympics and like what an honor it would be to play in the Olympics. And you're talking about like, I'm one of the best blah, blah, blah. I'm one of the three best runners from my country. I'm one of the three right. best swimmers from my country. But when you say you're one of the 144 best basketball players in the world like that's a really that's like a, a, a such an honor to be able to go through that and be like yeah you know this is this is me this is what i it's like even guys who are like you know on the cusp of the nba it's like you can't even say that like it's like it's like there's still so many like, it's entertaining but that's just a, that's such a cool thing uh to, to kind of have that have that uh you know on your resume it's got to be incredible Yeah,
2: it's such a blessing. And, you know, obviously, when I was growing up, it was uh, before the WNBA started, it was like we we all wanted to be the first girl in the NBA, right? Like it was like real love in basketball. Like I'm going to be the first girl in the NBA. And then once the WNBA started, we were able to see people that were like us. We were able to relate and say, we have a league of our own. I can go to the WNBA. That's been my dream since I was 10. And so to have that come to fruition, it was amazing. Right, like, and of course, as competitors, you're like, well I wish I would have played better, or I would have done this." But to say that, listen, one, a one of 144, that's that's mm-hmm. not too shabby. And you know, it's it's really cool to be able to now be in a position where I can hopefully help kids be able to realize that dream as well, and to understand everything that I understood going through it. But now, then, be able to say, you know, listen, it's it's hard. When when you think about it, you, you think like the WNBA. Oh, you know, people make jokes like, "Oh, the WNBA is not that great." One hundred and forty-four of the best players in the mm-hmm. world, and you know, there, there's European players, there's Australian players, so they do take the league takes people from everywhere. So imagine that one mm-hmm. one forty-four. That's it's pretty it's pretty incredible.
1: And that's like such a cool thing, and kind of a uh, you know what what like women's basketball and and. Uh, like the Kobe, the Kobe Bryant thing, which was a horrible tragedy, his daughter, him and Co- and his daughter Gianna, and it was such a sad thing. The the one thing that I took out of it uh, that was a positive, which I mean, there's not many positives in the death of a you know two great or like a bunch of great human beings, but it yeah. did put a spotlight on women's basketball, and I think that you know. With with just the showing Gianna how good she was going to be, and like the the quote that that Kobe always said, like she's the heir. Like you know, I don't yeah. need a son. Like she's going she's yep. got it. She's she's got it. And that's kind of a. How do you think that's going to affect the women's game, kind of going forward? Like with this, you know, strong presence, like Kobe Bryant. Sent, you know, it's it's almost in the spotlight now that he had so much faith that Gianna was going to be the next big thing.
2: Yeah, you know, and and Kobe is still such a touchy subject for me. Like, I don't even think I've come to grips with it. I mean, I I Uh adore him um, in so many different ways. I think every competitor did, right? Even if you hated him, you, you, like, low-key inside, you adored him, right? (laughs) Just outwardly (laughs) projecting it as hate. Um, But I think that, you know, the way that he was with the women's game and how he was putting forth so much effort and all of his passion for the game and resources towards – putting a spotlight on the women's game was amazing. Like he you know, there have been players prior to them, like Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul and some some players that came and showed love to the WNBA. And Kobe I think took it another level by making it cool and dope to bring your daughter to games. And really Mm to listen, like I'm wearing a WNBA hoodie. You know, he he went to games not even just WNBA games, he went to women's collegiate games, right? Like he was mentoring Sabrina Inescu and a bunch of these players that are up up and coming. And so that is really cool to see. And then you now have Steph Curry going to her games or, you know, Mm -hmm. Paul Anthony Towns going to some games in Minnesota. And now you have these athletes who men's basketball players, I will say, have always been appreciative of the women's game. It's always just Mm -hmm. the other guys that really can't play that always talk trash about the women's game. He really brought a light to it and also resources you know, he he made that academy, and we all know that he made that academy for for uh, Gianna.
0: Right? Yeah. He made it because so
2: that she could thrive and she had a place. And so I think that's really cool, and to see women's basketball on the forefront of ESPN. While he, you know, obviously the tragic um, at the Laker, uh the Staples Center, you know, having Sabrina there and Diana talk, the women's game is getting a lot more respect just because of Kobe Kobe vouching for it, really.
1: Mm-hmm. and it's it's so true i mean like what you were saying everyone has that kobe story i mean i know you grew up in like the philadelphia and it's like you kind of i remember the 2001 series with like iverson and stuff and i despised yep. kobe and kobe had dunked on me when i was in high school as well uh during sunny hill so like i was i was like i was always like oh cool like he's really good i played against him and then i started i was like oh dude like Iverson's gonna rock you, and then but like then it yeah. just becomes like you see just the, the work ethic and the stories, and it's just so cool to kind of have this you know larger than life human who sits who who was there, and you know it's it, I love the spotlight that it was was put on women's basketball, and the biggest thing yep. that I love that you just said was the uh, how the you know the girls like the the people who don't respect women's basketball are the, the people who know shit about women's basketball. Like, men yeah. who played basketball, we, I was always at the girls' games. Like, that's just, we just, we just it, like, we're, we're all part of the game. Like, it's all part of the game. Yeah. There's no difference. It's all part of the game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it seems like it's always like that, right? You know, people who do what you do, you understand the grind behind it. Whether it's a man or a woman, we're still there all at the same time. Right? The, the men's team is there at six AM and so is the women. So you know, we're all that practice. We understand the life of being a student athlete and carrying that burden of being a professional athlete and being away from your family. We all understand that, the grind, the sacrifices. It's just people who are, you know, just ignorant, right? Like let's be realistic, they're just ignorant and some people are just trolling for no reason. But it's always uh-huh. those who have the, the biggest the biggest trash to talk that would never say it to a man. Right, they would they would no. literally never say it to a man, but they want to go say it to a woman. It's like, come on, dude! Like,
0: really? <laughs> <laughs> Just stop.
1: Yeah, Talking with uh, Charnay Zal Norman. Uh, Charnay, played eleven years overseas and uh, oh. in the in the WNBA, uh, now current uh, assistant coach at University of Rhode Island, <laughs> and uh, also the uh, all-time B C C assist leader on record uh, from the university of virginia so going into charnay your uh professional career overseas is there yeah. experience you have overseas that you're like what in the world because i know just like constantly constantly experiences and i'm like what in the world is happening this is insane this place <laughs> do you have any of those experiences playing uh overseas
2: oh my lord i mean i have i have millions i feel like um Yeah, so I I think maybe one of my craziest memories or, like, one of the craziest stories that I have is, you know, I was playing in Turkish League, and Turkish League is in in a league of its own, of cutthroat, okay? Like, when I I tell you, like, it's, you know, it's a great league because they have a lot of money, right, for women, and so you're able to get paid really well, and you usually are in nice cities, but you can get cut at the drop of a dime. And when I mean that, I mean, like, you won't even know until you see another American sitting in the stands behind the home bench. And you're like, wait, what's going on? And they're like, oh, yeah, you got to pack your bags and be gone in two days. So this happened to us. We're, like, we're playing a game, and I see a girl. Um, it's actually like Epiphany Prince. She's sitting behind, and I'm like, yo, what is going on? after the game, they're telling us that uh, her GM, the GM for a team she played for in Russia, got shot. Shabtai is yeah. the guy's name. He ended up getting shot and getting killed, so she was loaned to our team, and so they had to oh cut a
0: player.
2: <laughs> I was like, wait a <laughs> second. Wait a second. I can't process what's going on right now. What? And <laughs> hold on. So hold on. Like, why are you here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Let's stop and talk about this for a second. And so it literally was like the other girl had like 24, 48 hours at most to get out. Like, pack her stuff and go home. I was like oh this is crazy. Mind you, that was my second year and so I
0: was like, Okay,
2: <laughs> be ready for everything. I got it.
1: <laughs> it's like there's these stories like over it's like sometimes it's like the wild west, like sometimes you're in perfect situations and sometimes it's like you're you're like, What in the where am I? Like what is happening? Like yeah. why is this? But and I think that's it's, just it's just overseas basketball. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, it's like, you know, anytime I've ever heard an overseas basketball story, I've never been surprised. Like, I've never looked at the person and been like, no, you're lying. No matter how outrageous the story is, I always believe the person because I'm like, you just never know. Like, we played a playoff game one time, and I'm not going to say a team or even a country because, you know, people might know. A coach came Uh to the game drunk. My coach was hammered (laughs) drunk. And I'm like, wait what? Like, you know, at the beginning of the game, it wasn't so bad. Like, you know, he was – like, you could smell it a little bit, but I'm like, maybe – I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's cologne, you know? Like, maybe it's Uh just some, you know, cheap cologne. It just smells like alcohol. Fine. And he had to have taken two more shots at halftime because third and fourth quarter, dude, was outrageous, not even paying attention to the game, (laughs) red in the face. Like, I'm like, what? So, like, me and another girl had to basically coach the team. We had to coach a team through the fourth quarter. It was like a close game, and he was just—he was—it was off. I'm like,
0: this—this is, this is crazy.
1: I love how it got worse as the game go- went on. Like, it wasn't one of those things. Where it was just like, oh, you know, he's—he's he's slowly sobering up. It was like, no, he was actually—that no. was just, you know, he was just getting started. E once to make sure
2: we read up at that halftime. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm thinking like he had to he had to go re up. Like, okay, good. Here's my break. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, no, buddy, get some water or some coffee or something. No, it it was like that was one of the craziest. I'm like, wait. Okay. And again, you know, once you get through a certain amount of years overseas, you are ready for everything. Uh-huh. You you know anything can happen.
1: Sorry, I, I couldn't have said it more like Smoke, like people, I tell people that like our coaches and managers used to sit at our practices and smoke, and people are like that's ridiculous. Like why would they do that? I was like I don't know why they did it, but everywhere I went, like they were just like just lighten up, and I'm like what is <laughs> happening?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like um, you you guys don't think that's gonna affect our performance at all, or no? Okay, <laughs> got it. <laughs> got it.
1: Exactly. Okay. You just sat there running us because you wanted us to take care of our bodies. Now you're smoking and blowing it into the arena. Thanks great.
2: Literally, literally. I had my, my first year when I um, first came overseas, I was not prepared. My coach, um, we would have bus trips, so we never flew anywhere. And I was in Romania. We had bus trips and they were like pretty long bus trips. Okay. You know, like the 10, 12 hour ones. And Uh, the dude would just, we would stop at like every gas station. Like it it literally was like, it had to be every hour. We would stop at a gas station. He would just buy a four pack of beer. And would, like, try and share it with the girls. And I'm like, Yo, dude, we play in three days. <laughs> like, what's going on? He's like, it's, oh, it's okay. It helps your body. And I'm like, what? No,
1: there, it doesn't. I would love to sit in, like, a health class over there when they're, like, 16 years old and be like, just hear what they're <laughs> telling them. Like, beer, cigarettes, good. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah.
2: Did you ever have your, um, your doping test, like, where, you, ha- you know, you had to go to the bathroom afterwards? And yeah. if you were like, oh listen, I I had no idea because they don't, of course they don't tell you at halftime, they tell you at the end of the game, and you're like, I had no uh-huh. idea to give you beers to drink so you can go you can go bathroom, go to the bathroom. Or not.
1: <laughs> it's crazy because that's like it's it, water the no the water's not going to cut it like because they're the, like beer just goes through you so they're just like here come on it,
2: it does you, you know if you think about it logically like you know you are like, yeah, okay maybe <laughs> I I get it <laughs> I get your logic behind it but it's not uh- right.
1: What if they were – what if they're, we all find out that they were 100% right, like, the entire time? Like, they all live to their, like, 200 years old, drinking, smoking, Literally. like, <laughs> just, like, the best athletes in the world. we find out that Luka Doncic is, like, smoking and drinking at halftime. We're like, all right, what we knew is completely off. Like, we are all yeah, so wrong. I'm so sorry.
2: They're looking at us like we're the fools. Like, you're out here, like, starving yourself. You know, depriving yourself of all the great things in life and look at me, uh, I'm gonna live like, you know, outlive you for like forty years.
1: It's crazy. What, what do you what was one of like the best uh stories you have, like overseas? I mean you, you you played in some pretty cool places. What were like some of the coolest things that you were able to do playing overseas basketball?
2: Oh man, I think um You know, my last four years were were phenomenal. I was able to play for two different teams. And so I played for one team for three years and then my last team for one. And I got to win four medals in four years. And and for both of those um, teams, the first one was the first gold in 30 years. The first gold medal in 30 years, Um, which was absolutely insane. I mean, like everybody in the city was – was grateful, like it was, it was like, you know how overseas it's city pride. And so when you have fans, they are genuine fans. They love Uh you to death. And so being able to win a gold championship in that city, it was a big city and they hadn't won it in so long. It it was really, really cool. And then my last year, so we won two bronze and then a gold. Um, And then my last year we were, we were in seventh place going into the playoffs in one second and they hadn't won a medal in. I want to say eight to ten years. So getting that's to do crazy. these kind of things was was really cool. Like you know, and and you, it's not bad to go out saying you know four for four for the last four years either.
1: Yeah, that's like I know, especially because of like the the circumstances of the seasons and stuff. How quickly you know you win, 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 win. I know yeah, they, yeah. the the this Parker, whole entire thing where like thirty-five days she won like a W. A championship, a Euroleague championship yeah. and like a cup championship in like thirty five days. So that's yeah. like it's cool to be able to win like you know how your your wins like you know in like that just because of the circumstances of everything.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. And and you know, again like to have things done in a way where they appreciate basketball overseas. Yeah. You know, I don't think that it's looked at as women first men. And so they look at it like some cities only have a Euroleague women's team, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're looking at it like we're watching Euroleague basketball. They come out. They come with their horns, their clappers. They're coming out, and they're supporting and genuinely supporting. And so I think the relationships that I helped build, you know, nine years in Poland, I've seen kids grow up. Mm -hmm. They were nine years old, now they're 18. You know, the kids that, you know, I call them little brother. They call me big sister, you know, and (laughs) somebody from – it's a small village. They didn't speak English, and now we're, you know, we can chat on Instagram or chat on WhatsApp, and they, they've learned English to sit there and talk to me. or well, I was able that's to so share cool. something with them and build a bond with the fans outside of just the game. You know, the, the game brought us together, but to build genuine relationships outside of that was, you know, it's something that you can't take for granted, and that's something that you get to gain by being overseas. That's one of the a uh, big part of the experience of it.
1: And I always think, I mean, I, I have a ton of crazy fan stories and things like that, but I think you hit on with the, the perfect thing is that they're so passionate about it. Like they, they love their sports so much overseas and granted we're from Philly, like we love the Eagles, but we always, even as, as Eagles, like, and like, you know, fans of Philadelphia, we're like, what are you doing? Like, why did you, like, why did you beat up a guy in the park like what like what was the point of like doing that like as a, as a level-headed <laughs> yeah. philadelphia fan you're kind of like what in the world but like when you understand that passion overseas and you see it you kind of understand like some people that's all they have like that's their that's it yeah relationships pets family doesn't matter it's like that team is what they thrive on
2: yeah and you know Listen. The one thing about Philly fans is we will boo you. Now we love you, but we will boo you and let you know that you're buying like trash, right? <laughs> like we'll we'll let you know. <laughs> Over there, it's it's literally like like you said. It it might be almost their last, and they're spending it to come to a game. You know, I mm-hmm. I always tried to play every game with as much passion as I could, and maybe that's what growing up watching AI play like he did, and you know, mm-hmm. Jordan play and Kobe play because th- that's how they played the game with a lot of passion. But I also understood the responsibility that I had in the sense that somebody's spending their money to come see you. You know, re- yeah. realistically, those fans and that attraction to have you come here is a part of why they have a team here. That, that does mm-hmm. help bring you to a city. That does help get your contract signed. And so, you know, pay them back by just playing the game the right way. Now, I'm not saying you're going to, you know, play well every time, but play hard mm-hmm. every time. Don't take that for granted yeah. that somebody's spending their money and spending their time to come see you play. And so, you know, I took that v- very seriously as day, And, you know, the, the fans come out and they're a big part of the atmosphere and the game itself.
1: That's awesome. So talking with Sharnay uh, Zal-Norman uh, right now, uh, 11-year professional basketball player uh, overseas and in, in the WNBA. Sharne kind of um, going off, you know, what you were just saying about, you know, the the fact that there's, that you have this fan group and you know, they're, they're so intense, but like, how do you compare like the overseas fans to like the fans in America? Because we, like, we talked about the Philadelphia fans are crazy, but how do you compare like those, those different fan groups? Like, what do you see overseas that you don't see here?
2: You know, I think that the the fact that it is really like city pride or, you know, you see so much national pride within, you know, the, the countries, um, you know, we'll have fans from Poland go to Russia just to see a Euro cup game or a Euro league game. We're only there for two days, but they drive it or they fly to make sure that they can see it. Um, mm-hmm. I think here at home, we, we love players, right? We love our teams and, And, you know, we're able to root for our team. You know, one of my aunts has been a Mystic season ticket holder since, you know, since the WNBA started, which is insane, right? Like a lot of the WNBA fans are lifelong fans. But Mm -hmm. I think that over there, it's way more about the city, the name that you have, you know, on the front of your jersey and who you're representing. That if you live in their city, they are so proud and they have that pride of, yes, you're representing us no matter where you go. Like, Wrocław is better than Woods or, you know, two, say, two Polish cities. They're saying that we're better mm-hmm. than you. They use that that win as a city win, you know, not just a league yeah. win. And so everything is extremely important. Whereas here, I think we understand the business aspect of it a lot more. And we're like, okay, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I like this player. I like that player. Yeah. Like, if they go somewhere else, like, you know, they go somewhere else. Like, I'm still going to root for that player. <laughs> it's not necessarily like that there.
1: I feel like there's so many LeBron fans that like, don't yeah. care where he plays. They love, they have the, the heat Jersey, the Cavs Jersey, the Lakers Jersey, like they don't care. Like even like, I mean, and I yeah. think the NBA is so like players come and go so quickly and it's, it's tough, but I do think that young kids now are just like latching on the players because of that. And they're like, yeah. all right, well, I'm just going to follow him where he goes. That sounds good.
2: Yeah. If you ask a kid now, like, who's your, what's your favorite team? And they're like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, what's your favorite, like, who's your favorite player? And they know exactly. Like, yeah, I got shoes. I got the jersey. You know, I got this and that. i like, oh, okay. So, you know, and again, that's part of understanding the business of it. Because, you know, being a professional athlete, we understand that the, the loyalty is not all that it seems. Right? Like, you, yeah. you do have to look out for yourself as an athlete. And, you know, I'm not saying go ahead and just say, you know, forget this team and keep moving around, but you also have to, you have to advocate for yourself. You mm-hmm. do have to understand that the team has the team's best interest at heart. I mean, even watching the last dance, look at Jerry Krause. He didn't care about that team or those players. Yep. He cared about the organization as a whole, and that's the business part of it, it sucks. Mm-hmm. It's not a fun part of the game, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a part of professional sports.
1: Yeah, it's true. So, kind of going into over, like, you know, what do you look at as more cut? What what like, do you think the WNBA or overseas basketball was more cutthroat in terms of, you know, it's so hard to stay there and it's just like, you can just snap, just gone, just like that?
2: Oh, man, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I, I think they're both. I, I guess if I have to pick one, I would say the WNBA. And only mm-hmm. because, again, we'll go back to the 144. If There's 144 yeah. players in the league. You don't have time. And, you know, GMs and coaches don't have time for someone, th- you know, to get somebody ready for w- in two months. Two months is almost playoff time. You know, yeah. if, if you're not ready, if you're not able to, to contribute, well, then we got to part ways with you. Whereas overseas, mm-hmm. you know, you'll get you, – you might get a couple of months, you know, uh, to figure it out or something like that, or at least until Christmas um, or you're able to have like no cut contracts and you're able to have those types of things. But WNBA, you know, with 144 spots, people are, will almost kill for your spot, right? Imagine mm-hmm. how many players there are in the world that want to be able to wear that jersey, you know, even yeah. in one game for one minute, just to sit on the bench. And so, you know, everybody's replaceable almost and you're able to, you know, they're able to find somebody else that's doing what they're doing for most players. Now, of course, there's, you know, generational talent and talents that they can't replace, but for most of the players on the roster, they can find someone else. So you really have to find ways to bring it every day.
1: And it's like, that's a perfect way to say it. That's um, like perfect. So, uh, you know, Charney, Charney Zal Norman, uh, again, we're here. Sorry, Charnay. I'm just I'm just trying to keep the people listening at home updated. Uh, so the you know this is the matchup zone. Kevin Owens here, uh, produced by John Hunt and uh, Charnay. What advice do you have for young players? No, kind of you're coaching now. You are. What advice do you have for young players? Like if your senior came up to you and was like, you know, I want to overseas like this. is what I want to do, what advice do you give the player?
2: You know, and th- this happened this year, actually, and-, and I explained that this life is tough, right? It- it's not everything that you see on Instagram and you see the highlights of people's lives. It- it's-, it's tough. It's-, it's-, it's a sacrifice. It's a grind, but it's absolutely worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you're away from your family. Yes, that, you know, you- you're not home and you're maybe uncomfortable, but you have been blessed with the opportunity of a lifetime to see the world and to play a game that you love. You know, you, mm-hmm. you get to practice for maybe four hours a day. You get to play a, a game of basketball for a job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nothing can be that bad. So understand that you can, you can, you know, really live in different cultures. Understand, learn new languages. You get to see different parts of the world because of a game. Embrace that. Understand that it's a blessing. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And then
2: also invest in yourself, you know, don't, don't waste every single day just sleeping, learn a new language, get that master's uh-huh. degree while you have all that time, you know, go and and learn about somebody else's culture, explore mm-hmm. the city that you're in um, certain things and invest in your time, you know, take care of your body so that you can have a, a lengthy career and you can do what you love for as long as you can, you know, run it till the wheels fall off, baby. <laughs> embrace it, (laughs) love it, and and just really grind it out.
1: No, it's, and the language is such a crazy, did you learn, did you learn Polish?
2: I did, yeah.
1: That's awesome. See, that's like the the shit that I'm like, damn, like, and I played in New Zealand and Australia, like, I'm pretty good at all their crazy little slang words, like, I know if someone walked up to me and said, like, you know, put your togs on, I know they're talking about a bathing suit, so I'm like, I'm good with those things, but i was in korea that language is hard i mean some of these kinds oh, like yeah. estonian like there those are some hard languages and i learned like a little bit but i should have like that's the one regret i have is i should be speaking like i you, you have these kids who are speaking like 30 different languages and i'm like oh i played uh for you know 10 years overseas and they're like oh what do you speak i'm like english <laughs> like i'm just terrible english, <laughs> yeah what what do you mean
0: yeah i i
2: I took classes, so I took classes my second year,
1: um, oh, and I awesome. learned it because the
2: first the first team that I was on, it wasn't a lot of Americans, and so you know the, the team didn't really speak English, the coach didn't really speak English, and I'm just I wasn't I was wasn't comfortable. Maybe I watched you know Love and Basketball and saw that they didn't really translate for Monica, you know I, I wasn't happy mm-hmm. with that, so I wanted to translate for myself and wanted to be able to learn um, for myself and kind of you know find some way to. To take my time up and then I just continued to learn it now I'm not like fully fluent but I would do like interviews in Polish um, my coach could speak in Polish and I would understand almost everything basketball wise and so like I, I that's something that just in, excites me I enjoy actually learning new languages um, but I think that's it's cool you know go ahead and get engulfed in the culture there's no reason not to right
1: Sharnae, <laughs> I I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on tonight Gonna catch up with you. Uh, I've seen you in a long time, but you know, it's like funny. Like I, always, I told my buddy, uh, you know, Mike and my friend T Shan. Like it's like well, as a basketball community, I feel like you see each other all the time because yeah. it's just so much travel. But then when you kind of get sit down and talk to each other, it's like you know, you just like sitting next to each other two days ago. Day, you know? So it's a really cool, and I really appreciate you coming on tonight.
2: Well, thank you, thank you for having me and thinking of me and. You know, it brings me back to our old our old days and, you know, understanding that you're right. This this is a basketball community. We're in this together. And I, I really appreciate it and love what you're doing.
1: Tony, good luck uh, next season at URI. Uh, and, you know, hopefully this will all end soon and we'll be able to get back on the court. But I uh, love sitting down and talking to you. And uh hope you're doing great. And I will talk to you soon.
2: All right. Thank you so much. Be safe in this quarantine. Talk to you in a little bit. <laughs>
1: You too. See you, Charnay. Bye. So talking a little bit with Charnay Zal-Norman tonight, a WNBA player, 11-year veteran of overseas basketball. Uh, One of the quickest hands I've seen, um, like, male, female, it didn't matter. Her hands were super quickly. She just went. Like, it didn't matter. She was just like – she used to do these dribbling drills, and it was like – the ball just like flew from one side to the other, and I would just sit there in awe, being that I was slow and lethargic. So, uh, John, how are we doing from the producers <laughs> you know, Kevin,
3: like I, I feel like uh, we we improved some of the audio; could hear you pretty clearly the whole time, so that's that's a plus. It's good to hear These
1: the, are host. the things that <laughs> yeah, these are the things you do during the quarantine. How to improve everything every week, and I think we did that. That was awesome.
3: So so tell me this man when she was talking about her her coach being drunk during yeah. during the uh, during the game <laughs> tell me you yeah. didn't think about Tom Hanks in de Daron when he came oh, yeah. to like oh my god dude i i couldn't stop thinking about that i was like uh, it, was,
1: I, it was that it was that in Dennis Hopper from Hoosiers i was like eh, yeah like i guess just people get drunk when they coach teams
3: <laughs> you know that's it's crazy to me to 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 think that um and then it's just to hear all the, the differences between the overseas stuff versus here. And uh, last week, you know, Michael Hakeem Jordan was talking about having brass knuckles. And this <laughs> week, the story is shit. Yeah. I'm just thinking to myself, I was like, I feel so sheltered talking to you guys. I'm like, I've, I have, I've never had to go to a store and get brass knuckles or worry about my safety, for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's always those oh. iffy college nights or whatever, but... <laughs> It's, it's it's pretty a crazy, crazy world, to that. Yeah, yeah, you know, like uh, you know I, I mean I've traveled overseas several times uh in my music career, and um you know you catch glimpses, but for the most part the uh the tour guides they keep you they keep you in the good the good areas, you know what I'm saying, yeah, uh, you guys are cut loose, and it's just like good luck, you know I, mm. you know, show up at the <laughs> game, and uh if you show up, that's a win, you know, but uh yep. No, it's so interesting to hear about it. And, you know, hearing you talk, I, I don't know if you were, this was before the show, you were talking about your daughter um, playing basketball, right? Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about, my sister was a serious basketball um, player. She played in college. Um, really? She played a. Yeah, she played AAU. Um, uh, she she did very well in basketball. She's a PE teacher now, loves loves her job working with kids and everything, but, you know, hearing you talk about that and hearing, uh, talk about the, the, uh, the appreciation for women's sports, Mm -hmm. uh, it just kind of like transported me back. Like I felt like I lived my entire, like from ages, like six to like 12 in gyms, eating hot dogs, watching my sister play like Uh every every weekend, (laughs) man. It was to this, to this, to this day, like you, you smell those hot dogs in the back of the gym, Uh you know, you know what I'm talking about that, that smell. And it, it transforms, it transports me back to that, and just to see that appreciation. Now you and I are both teachers, and mm-hmm. you know I, I hang out at the games over at Carusi quite a bit, and you know to see the support uh, for the girls' sports and for the boys' sports, and uh, very relevant, you know what I mean? Very relevant to see the the appreciation for the for the young ladies as well as the young men.
1: I totally, I think. Uh, and I always feel bad, I'm, like dragging her to practice. Like we have practice, you know, where we start our season uh, December. It goes until March, and like you know, ninety percent of the time, when I'm at I'm at practice every day or a game every day, and ninety percent of the time, she's right there with me. And I always wonder if those are the memories that she's going to look back on. And, this is why I love basketball, or the memories <laughs> going to look back and me like, I never that foot gym ever again i hate the smell like oh uh, shit like i screwed it
3: up well you never know you know like i have two sons and you know like everyone asked me are you, are you going to push them into to music what 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 instruments are they playing what all that you know like and i'm like ah uh, you know and i think you said the same thing before the show with charnay you know if they want to do go down that path then great but if they don't want to go yeah. down that path then great you know um I always joke that I'm going to have like a, a son who's like the captain of the football team, which was not me, you know, back then. And I'm going to have to learn that entire football culture, you know, like I, I was the marching yeah. band guy, not the, not the football guy, but you know, every kid's different. And uh, you know, as teachers, we see that all the time, but um, yeah, like you, you wonder who they're going to be and what their influences are going to be. Is, is, are they going to look back on like a Kobe Bryant? Or are they going to look back on a Witt Marsalis? Uh, but I guess that is the uh, – we have to remind ourselves that's the fun part of being a parent, you know?
1: Yeah, it is. And I always – that's what I think. Like, I'm, like Olivia's like, I want to do gymnastics. I'm like, Liv, daddy's 6'10". <laughs> I was like, honey, you're going to be tall. I was like, they don't make gymnasts like that. They're going to – she's going to hang from the bars that usually they're doing flips on, and just, like, her feet are going to be touching the ground. They're like, hold up. Something's off here.
3: Aren't gymnasts like, really, really small and short? <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're like really small. She's going to be like, it's gonna be like elf when she's like walking out with the rest of the gymnasts.
3: Listen, Olivia is going to, uh, she's gonna, she's gonna change the trend, brother. You yeah, know, uh, you're be watching her in the Olympics, and she'll be the first uh, six foot four, uh, you know, high <laughs> jumper uh, gym gymnast.
1: Exactly, and they will be like thinking about that one day and be like, oh, you know, the re- like almost like the. Cat- Durant, kind of guys that like suddenly seven foot guys are playing point guard, and they're gonna be like, Oh, they were the first, and then <laughs> yeah, she was the first to uh ride across yeah, it's, the it's, dance across I, I the pommel horse
3: with, with Charnay, uh, too. Like, my sister she was uh, you know, I'm the tallest in my family by far, and I'm 5'9. Melissa's got to be like 5'5 five five at best, but she yeah. she was one of those short, quick, agile point guards, and and yep. she she carved herself a niche, you know, she was sought after for uh, different college positions and stuff like that. And, and, um, you know, she probably would have kept going with it except I think she just wanted to get the degree and be done with school. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, like <laughs> it comes to a certain point where you're like, all right, I'm on year five for a PE degree. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get this thing done. Let's, let's button it up, you know? Um,
0: <laughs> but,
3: uh, and I know it killed her because she wanted to keep playing, you know. She was even uh, sought yeah. after for softball as well. She was, you know, softball, basketball, and, and field hockey. You know, uh, definitely an athlete. I was I was the black sheep uh, being the musician in the family. <laughs> <laughs> that <Interesting laughs> was like, wrong where, that? where are you from, dude?
1: <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to thank uh, Charon for coming tonight. We'd like to thank all you guys for uh, tuning in and uh, continuing to tune in every week. Uh, I've looked at our, you know, the stats and the stats are rising and rising. I think, you know, we found a little niche and I think, uh, you know, we have some really good guests who have a lot of really good insights. So it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you guys listening every week and, uh, we appreciate this. Uh, so for myself, Kevin Owens here at the matchup zone and our producer, John Hunt, uh, you know, if you ever need a DJ in the South Jersey area, DJ John Hunt, LLC, hit him up, man. We gotta love you guys. We'll be back next week, next Wednesday, new guests, overseas basketball. Until then, peace out, guys.
0: With Hollywood Code, I'm with Marley G bro, flying holly growth chicks to my Hollywood shows. And I wanna tell you something that you probably should know. This that slum dog millionaire, Bollywood flowing up